Good morning. How are you? Good. Now, Jameson, what, what grade are you in? You're in kindergarten. Do you get grades on anything in kindergarten? You do? It's like, oh, really? So do you ever, like, have a paper that you work on, and then you turn it in, and you get a grade on that? Yeah? And uh, do you think it would be really weird if one time your teacher gave you a paper to do, and you come back to your teacher, and what you turn in is you just scribbled all over the page, you didn't do it at all, and she says, eh, I'll just give you an A anyway. How about that? Would that be weird? That'd be really weird. All right, that's not how grades work, is it? <laughs> no. She has to look at your work, and she's got to see what, what you've done. Because she's not just giving you a grade. You are having to earn that grade, right? Like That's what that's about. If you want to get a good grade, you've got to do the good work, right? So I want to talk about grades, but I also want to talk to you about birthday presents. Do you ever have get presents on your birthday? Yeah, and when you get a present on your birthday, do your parents always start it by saying, "Well, let's see, how did you do this year? Were you uh, did you do a lot of good things or did you do a lot of bad things?" And that's how we'll give you a present. Is that how that works? No, it's not, is it? Why not? Why is that so different? That's very different than grades, isn't it? You don't earn your birthday presents, do you? No, you just get them. They're just gifts, right? And <laughs> so there are some things that work by. You have to earn it. And there are other things that work by, well, you just get it. It's just, it's just given to you as a gift. You're part of the family. You get the gift. There you go. <laughs> and, and this is one where uh, sometimes I think we get things confused when we think about how God deals with us and, and what it is like to be a part of his kingdom. And one of the things he says is there's a lot of ways that we think of you got to earn it that he's really been saying over and over, no, it's just a gift. It's just a gift. And uh, do you know what the word grace means? Yeah, basically it means it's just a gift. There's nothing you do to earn it. Sometimes I use the letters G-R-A-C-E to spell granting rewards apart from credit earned. That's a lot of stuff. But basically it just means it's a gift. And so like a birthday present is, is a gift. It's grace. It's just given just because. You don't have to earn that at all. But grades, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Yep. And so when we are thinking about the way that God welcomes us into his kingdom, do you think that's more like grades or like birthday present? Hmm. Yeah, people have thought different things about this. But the way Jesus talks about it, it's like a birthday present. It's just a gift. It's just given that we don't even earn. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> it sure is. In fact, uh, it's not just crazy. It's, it's amazing to the point that people even write songs called things like Amazing Grace. <laughs> and we're going to sing a part of that one later today. But for now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for your amazing love and your amazing grace. God, that you give us new life with you through Jesus, not because we deserve it, but because you want to give it. God, we pray that you would help us to receive this gift. And God, as those who receive this gift, pray that you'd help us also to be those who share this good news with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.
Our gospel reading this morning is from Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, or at least the first part of verse 6. And this is where Jesus goes back home, and we see how people receive him there. Uh, Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for your word that you have given to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to receive uh, the gift of your word. And God, we pray that you would help us to pay attention to what you have said, the ways that you are revealing yourself to us, the ways that you are revealing what it's like to be a part of your kingdom. God, we pray that your word would work into our lives and would bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there, except lay lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And then turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Paul, continuing his letter to the church in Corinth, says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, But I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our sermon text for this morning is Genesis 43, verses 11 through 25, and we are picking up a story that we have been telling along the way. And I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a show that is, uh, I don't know if it's even on anymore, probably should have looked this up. (laughs) Um, It was something like, What Would You Do? And it was like a hidden camera show. Are you, you familiar with this at all? And so they'd put people in these weird situations and they had hidden cameras around, and you just see, what would they do? Is this something where uh, they would actually live up to the, um, the values that they 
would say they believe or not? Does it matter if they know the cameras are rolling or not? And it was interesting. There would be sometimes people would, um, you know, they'd come out and do the reveal, hey, the camera's rolling the whole time. And by the way, well done. You helped this person that needed help in the way that they needed it, whatever. Other times they'd come out and they're like, hey, this was all on camera. We were just testing to see how you do. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, let me do it again. Let me do it again, right? But no, it doesn't work like that. As we are reading this section of the story this morning, I want us to kind of have that thought in mind of if we were in the position of Joseph, what would we do? If we were in the position of uh, his brothers coming to him, what would we do? Now, to set up where we are in the story, so you know who Joseph and the brothers are, this is the story of Abraham's family, and Abraham who had Isaac, Isaac who had Jacob, Jacob, whose name gets changed, Israel, who has 12 sons, and many of them turned on the one son, Joseph, sold him into slavery in Egypt. He has since, it says that God has been with him, even when he was away from his family, away from his home, that God was with him. He was wrongly imprisoned, but God was still with him. And then through a series of dreams and interpretations, God raises him up to be second in command over all of Egypt and in charge of this whole food collection and distribution system because God had revealed to him that there would be seven years of lots of food, more than enough, and then seven years of not enough food. Well, we have picked up the story, uh, or picking up the story today, where we're now in the season of not enough food. And so everybody in Egypt is starving. Everybody around Egypt is starving unless they are coming to, um, to Joseph for food. His brothers actually came to him for food, but didn't recognize that it was him. He recognized it was them, though. And we saw how he accused them of being spies. He's got this whole elaborate scheme worked out to try to see if, though he has changed, have they changed? Are they still the same people they were when they sold him into slavery? And so the thing that he'd told them to do was he said, you can't see me again unless you bring your youngest brother, Benjamin, back with you. Because all the rest of them had come, but not Benjamin, because that was their dad's favorite, causing all kinds of problems. <laughs> him playing favorites. But he has his favorite son, Benjamin, and so Joseph says, you got to bring him back. And of course, what's the, what's the goal here? To see if they've changed, right? Are they really going to bring him? Is the dad going to let him go? Where is this family at this point? And so this is kind of where we pick up the story. Genesis 43, verses 11 to 25. Uh, yeah, where we left off, that they had been delaying because the dad wasn't sure. He wanted to let him go. But, uh, ooh, I left out one very important detail. Sorry. <laughs> when they went back home, in order for them to go back home, Joseph had said, you have to leave one of your brothers here. So they left Simeon behind and in prison while they go back home to collect Benjamin. But then they don't collect Benjamin for quite a while and just leave Simeon there to deal with it. But when Joseph had sent them home, he had sent them with enough grain for them to eat, but also had sent with them all of the money that they had used to buy um, 
to buy the grain initially. So we'll see see where this goes from there. So verse 11 says, Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and some myrrh, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take, the, um, take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was uh, put back into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man so that he will let your other brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Pause here for a second. So do you hear uh, Jacob or Israel, what his plan is here? He's not expecting this Egyptian leader to be particularly generous, is he? In fact, he's kind of expecting the worst, but hoping for the best. And like, maybe there's something we can do to buy him off. Here, take some pistachio nuts. Everybody likes pistachios, right? So he's, he's got all these things. Take some uh, what was it, honey and spices and almonds, pistachio, myrrh. Take all this stuff with you as gifts for him. See if you can kind of appease him. You remember this kind of same sort of thinking when Jacob approached his brother Esau after it had been a long time since he'd seen him, and the last time he had seen him, Esau wanted to kill him. And so he's like, ah, but I'll just send a bunch of gifts ahead of me, and that way maybe when he sees me, it'll all be cool. And he seems to have that same thinking here. Well, if we're going to get anything good from this guy, we're going to have to do a little you know, grease in the palm sort of thing. We're going to send him the gifts ahead of time. We're going to get him, uh, maybe bribe him to let us have Simeon back. He didn't even say Simeon's name. He's still playing favorites. Like that other brother, whoever his name is. Oh, and also Benjamin. Make sure Benjamin comes back. <laughs> anyway, but it's, it's going to be the gifts. That's what's going to do it. We're going to buy these, buy the grain. We're going to send the silver back. We're going to send extra silver to buy the more grain. And we're going to send all these gifts, hopefully to buy his favor and to buy your brother's back. That's the plan. It makes sense. It's just completely unnecessary if you know the rest of the story. Verse 15. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought, We were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went up to this Joseph steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food, but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We have also brought, in addition, brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for the donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, 
because they had heard that they were to eat there. All right, that's, we're going to stop the story for today. There's more to this story, just wait, to be continued. But did you hear what happened when they actually arrive in Egypt? And again, ask the question, what would you do if you were Joseph? Because you have this opportunity, right? You have these brothers who sold you into slavery before. And now, oh, they are completely at your mercy, as the expression goes. So what do you do? He has already had a little test thrown in there to see who they are at this point. And at this point, when they come back, they come back, and does it say when Joseph received all of the gifts that they had brought, his heart was softened towards them? And he, no. What was it that they, (laughs) it says verse 16, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said, Take these men to my house, slaughter an animal, and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. Did you hear this? They bring Benjamin back. This is what he'd asked them to do. Not sure if they were actually going to do it. They bring Benjamin back, and it's all right. Game on. Let's celebrate together. As a family, even though they don't even know that's the case yet. They're going to celebrate as a family. Joseph knows this. They even uh, bring Simeon out in a little bit to be with them. They're all going to be kind of reunited there. And uh, so that's the way he responds. It's a pretty good response. Is that what you would have done? Maybe, maybe not. What about the brothers? They come and... Joseph has told his steward, take these men to my house and, you know, make these preparations for a feast. They don't know this is preparation for the feast. All they know is the steward is taking them to Joseph's house. So how do they respond? They're not all excited about going to a feast with this guy, are they? They don't even know that's what's coming. And so instead, in their heads, they've kind of built up this whole other scenario. And they're like, oh, no. We're brought here because of the silver that was put back in our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. The take our donkeys line cracks me up every time. I'm sorry. It just does. I did have to look up donkeys in the Bible and find out. It's like 153 times donkeys shows up. It's crazy. Anyway. (laughs) But this is what they're afraid of is not just the taking of the donkeys. That's a part of it. But it's he's going to attack us, overpower, make us slaves. Well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That they would have this sort of thinking. It's after all, isn't that kind of what they deserve? I mean, they did that to their own brother. Why would this Egyptian guy not do that to them? I mean, their brother hadn't really done anything to them, and they had treated him like that. And here, they've actually not necessarily done anything, but... It would sure appear they did when they apparently ran off with all that uh, grain and all the silver. So, you know, shoplifting, I guess. They're like, yeah, that's putting two and two together. This is the only thing this could mean is really bad stuff for us. 
But that's not the case. And in fact, what is the case is, uh, so they go up and they're trying to make their apologies, oh, their speech. Look, 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 we brought back whatever we could. We brought back everything that came back with us. We don't know how that happened. That wasn't our deal, but it, it happened. And so we brought it back and we brought back more. And, and the steward is like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> like that is just really not, that does not have any effect. In fact, he's like, it's all right. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father has given you treasure in sacks. I received your silver. How did that happen? I don't know. Joseph pay for them? Maybe. Point is, the steward is like, yeah, that's not why you're here. You're not here because you're in trouble. There is something else going on. So, yeah, don't be afraid. And then, I think this is beautiful. Takes them into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, provided fodder for their donkeys, and they prepared for Joseph's arrival because they're going to eat with him. How cool is this? What was it they were afraid of? He's going to make us his slaves. He's going to make us slaves, and he's going to take our donkeys away. And instead, it's just the complete opposite, isn't it? It is, instead of you being slaves, here's some water for you to wash your feet. Let me take care of you in this way. And in fact, here's some food for your donkeys to eat. This would be like if you had somebody that you, you thought they were mad at you for something. Whether rightly or wrongly, they were mad at you. And then they ask if they can borrow the keys to your vehicle. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> they are going to, they're just going to take it. And, and probably rightfully so. And really, in the eyes of uh, anybody else, they'd be like, yep, that's what you get. They're just going to take your car. That's theirs now. And instead, they take your vehicle and they go, like, wash it and detail it and fuel it up for you and return it. And you're like, I think I missed something. This is not what I was expecting at all. That's what's going on here. Like these guys just got completely not what they were expecting. They were expecting what would have seemed like justice. And what they got was mercy and grace. Hmm. Does this sound familiar? Does it ring any bells for anywhere else in the Bible? Jesus talks a lot about uh, the kingdom of God. And he tells a lot of parables. And I always talk about how that's because there's no way that you can really just say this is what it is. I mean, it's, it's so different from ordinary everyday experience. And so what he does, he takes these ordinary everyday experiences and says, well, it's kind of like this. And it's kind of like this. It would be like if somebody did this. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And so that's where you get all these parables that Jesus tells. And, and some of them in Matthew, he has one where it's there are all these differences of expectation of what people would expect. And there's one where he talks about people who are uh, workers in a vineyard. You know this one? Where somebody goes out and he hires somebody to work and says, I'll pay you a denarius. And then he goes out later and hires some more, and I'll just pay you what's fair. And he goes out and hires more and hires more. And then he hires some with only an hour left in the day. And then at the end of the day, he goes to pay them all, and he pays them all one denarius. And the people who had agreed to work for one denarius are mad about it because, like, we did so much more work. And he's like, look, you agreed to this. Like, this is, that was our arrangement. Are you envious because I'm generous? 
And so it's this difference of expectation. The only reason they were upset is not because he wasn't fair to them. It's because he was more than fair to others. And he's like, why can't be more than fair to anybody? That's not fair. It's like, no, it's not fair. It's generous. It's grace. And Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And in fact, the parable, there are several parables, I think, this story in Genesis kind of have echoes of, but none more so than one in Luke 15, of what we know as the parable of the prodigal son. So listen to this parable, as at least the first part of the parable, the way Jesus tells it. It says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, feed, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He's starting to hear some of the parallels. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. This is why I think it's so beautiful. We see this kind of thing even all the way back in Genesis. We sang a song earlier that opened with the lines, do you feel the world is broken? We do. (laughs) Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all that, all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. This is what we see as we have uh, watched the book of Genesis unfold. We have seen that from Genesis 3 on, there seems like there's this, this darkness. And people who just insist on not going in the way of God. Not living with him, but living against him. And it just seems to continue to spiral and spiral down this way. And we go, I don't know what you do about that. That's just, it's horrible. But that as we've been watching uh, with this family that God has chosen and says, it's through you that everybody's going to be blessed. And so it's through you. I'm going to reveal myself to the whole world that we do see some of this light that shines through. And this is, I think, one of those moments where you have these brothers who come before Joseph. They don't know that he's the brother. They don't, <laughs> there's a lot they don't know at this point. But they come to him afraid of getting what they deserve. 
And there are so many times in this story to this point, that's exactly what they would get. Just what they deserve. And yet, that's kind of the way of the world. But what they get instead is mercy and it's grace. And so this is where I, I love this whole thing about the donkeys. <laughs> of how they actually specifically mention that he gives them food for their donkeys as a direct uh, flipping around of the expectation that he was going to steal their donkeys. <laughs> they thought that's what they deserved, but that's not what they got. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God, talks a lot about what that's like. He mentions in this parable of the, uh, the lost son who returns home that he was expecting his father would say, fine, you can be one of my servants. But he doesn't say that. He immediately calls for a feast and celebrates and welcomes him home as a son. This is what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. That though we deserve not good, by grace we receive what is good. It is by grace that we are considered children of God. Now, if you have a problem with that kind of grace and you go, that's not fair, Jesus addresses that later in the same parable. You can read the rest of it. (laughs) But hopefully, you recognize that that we are those who don't deserve grace. Nobody does. That's why it's grace. And so as as we asked at the beginning, how would you respond if you were Joseph? I hope that you would respond like Joseph did. Like, how would you... What would you do? That you would treat these brothers better than what they deserve. If you were the brothers, what would you do? I hope that you would celebrate and rejoice in the grace that you've been given. And so for us now, same thing. How do we respond with what we have received, I hope that we rejoice and we celebrate. And then how do we treat others? I hope better than they deserve. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.